This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. Between the governor and both chambers in the legislature, there's a lot of talk about tax cuts and how it will affect the budget. Exactly what will it look like is still up for discussion. This is a unique opportunity in West Virginia's history to get it right, and it's a very small window to get it right. And so looking at tax policy, we need to have something that's sustainable, safe, comprehensive, and competitive. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. West Virginia lawmakers advanced a bill Monday that restricts medical care for transgender youth. Curtis Tate has more. The House Judiciary Committee, along party lines, approved a bill that not only limits gender-affirming surgeries for anyone under 18, but also restricts hormone therapy and puberty blockers. That version of House Bill 2007 goes farther than the one considered earlier in the House Committee on Health and Human Resources and matches legislation introduced in other Republican-controlled states. Leading medical organizations, including the American Medical Association and the American Academy of Pediatrics, oppose such measures. Only the Judiciary Committee's three Democrats opposed HB 2007 in its revised form. No expert witnesses were called on to testify. A public hearing will be held on HB 2007 on Thursday at 9 a.m. in the House Chamber. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. The West Virginia Department of Health and Human Resources presented a $7.7 billion budget to the Senate Finance Committee Monday. Emily Rice has more. Representatives from the DHHR presented their 2024 budget amid a flurry of questioning from senators regarding the restructuring of the multi-billion dollar agency with myriad departments under its umbrella. Senator Rupi Phillips, a Republican from Logan County, asked Coben his opinion on the reorganization of the DHHR, the aim of Senate Bill and House Bill 2006. Agencies like DHHR, whether they're one agency, a singular agency, or whether there are multiple agencies, typically constitute the largest amount of state budget uh, in every state in the, in the country. Uh, I don't think what we have in West Virginia is unique in that regard. For Appalachia Health News, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. Appalachia Health News is a project of West Virginia Public Broadcasting with support from Charleston Area Medical Center and Marshall Health. There comes a time when everyone has to decide to give up driving. It's not an easy decision for most people, and it's even harder when a child has to convince their parent it's time to hang up the keys. For a series getting into their reality, caring for aging parents, News Director Eric Douglas spoke with insurance expert Paul Moss, founder of Hey Driver, to gain some insight Moss has collected and analyzed driving data for 20 years. What are some of the issues that come up with older drivers and and getting in, in the accidents? Sure. I mean, there, there are things obviously physically, father time can be unforgiving, right? So, so things like our ability to uh, react, right, motor skills and, um, and, and how fast, you know, motor skill will, will kick in. Um, happens uh, at a much slower pace. And also, believe it or not, textings, the influence of texting and driving isn't just for teenagers. It actually goes all the way <laughs> through, through the ages and generations of the population. 
not only is that distracted driving far more prevailing than it's been, it doesn't matter which population you're talking about, but also what a lot of people don't know is, let's say you have an inexperienced teenage driver who's texting while they're driving. Let's say they go through their red light, right? And you swerve to avoid them and you hit somebody, that's actually the at fault of the other driver, not the texter. Car insurance rates increased for older drivers, just kind of inevitably. How does that work? Uh, so effectively, effectively, you go through your prime years of driving in an insurance company's eyes um, when you're going from 35 to 55, 60, right? And you have very few accidents in this window, right? And so they're collecting their paycheck, right? With very little, um, with very little to pay out. Once you hit a certain age, they really want to get you off the books because they look at you now as a liability. And so, and so effectively what they're trying to do is every six months, every year, they'll drive up your price. And their goal is actually that you will shop your policy and that you will leave because they don't care about their paycheck anymore. They look at it as there's, this is a, this is a time bomb that's going to go off. And so, um, and then eventually they will just flat cancel people and make and force them to shop. But that, that is how it works. Interesting. Uh, is there is there a top end where they say we're we're just not going to do it anymore? It really depends on the company. You know, Allstate has their algorithm, State Farm has their algorithm, et cetera. And so each company is different. But what I can tell you is in, in the billions of dollars of insurance that I've sold, um, it doesn't matter how good of a driving record you've had historically. It is literally, it is, there are, there are milestones in their algorithms that they just want to push you off. What should I, as a, uh, as a child, look for in my parents to say, hey, mom, it's time to stop. Now, in my case, we, we went through this two years ago, and, and fortunately, it was relatively simple. Yeah. Uh, she didn't fight it, but I, you know, that's a period where you're losing your freedom, you're losing your ability to, to do things for yourself. So, so what are some of the benchmarks that, that we need to look for as, as children to talk to our parents? Yeah, there are certainly things, there are certainly, you know, signs, right? I mean, the, the vision is decreasing, moving slower. There, there are certainly those signs that are pretty, um, that are pretty visible, but there's also ego involved, right? Nobody, nobody wants to face the fact that, you know, they're um, physically, they're going through these changes. This is one of those places where, where one self-actualization really matters. Being honest, can you really see, can you really respond like you need to, to be in a vehicle? Um, certainly freeway versus, you know, residential road. There's probably two different benchmarks for that. But the thing is, and this is, and, and when somebody can't, when somebody, you know, isn't willing, when somebody's like that, you know, staunch, you know, I'm not, you know, I can drive, I'm just fine. You really, in those cases, if you can make it about other people, one, if that person gets injured, then their family's going to care and they're going to be sad, right? And so it does, it does impact other people. The other thing is accidents are usually two car incidents. And so, and so if you, if you get in an accident, you also have the potential to hurt somebody else and kill somebody else. It's not just about you. Uh, what haven't we talked about? Um, I think that's the key. The key is genuinely, gen genuinely be honest with yourself about your abilities um, because you really can turn your family's life up upside down and other people, other families' lives upside down.
That was insurance expert Paul Moss from Hay Driver speaking with Eric Douglas about when older drivers should give up the wheel. For more in the series, Getting Into Their Reality, Caring for Aging Parents, visit our website at wvpublic.org. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 752. A winter weather advisory in the southern areas of West Virginia and the mountains through 10 o'clock this morning. Light snow this morning, partial clearing today, highs in the 20s and 30s. Partly cloudy tonight, lows in the teens and 20s. And a wintry mix tomorrow morning with partly cloudy skies, highs in the 30s and 40s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Taurus Save a Law, representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TaurusSaveAlaw.com. Make a pledge at WVPublic.org and support great radio here at WVPB. While Governor Jim Justice travels the state with his town hall meetings extolling the merits of a 50% personal income tax cut with House support for the measure, all eyes are on the Senate after the defeat of Amendment 2 during last year's November elections. For the legislature today, government reporter Randy Yowie spoke with Senate Finance Chair Eric Tarr, a Republican from Putnam County, and House Finance Committee member Larry Rowe, a Democrat from Kanawha County, to get the latest on how they see things moving forward. What should be the overall intrinsic legislative goals in tax reform? Eric, I'll start with you. You know, it has to be safe for our families and have to make West Virginia competitive. This is, this is a unique opportunity in West Virginia's history to get it right, and it's a very small window to get it right. And so looking at tax policy, we need to have something that's sustainable, safe, comprehensive, and competitive. Larry? Well, I, I, I certainly don't disagree with that. But I, I think, you know, after, after eight years of legislative leadership by this, this leadership team, it's about time that we provided a tax break for, for working families. And I think that we also have to be careful that whatever the amount of the, of the budget cut is, that it's not so deep that it affects services, as Chairman Tarr has told. Larry, explain how House Bill 2526, 50% personal income tax cut, would work and its basic merits. I know that the Democrats went along with the House Republicans and passed this. Uh, bottom line it for me. Well, I, I think the real problem is that it's about, well, I, I don't have the exact figure, at $1.3, $1.4 billion. I mean, it's a high percentage of what our, our total revenues are for the, the general revenue. And uh, I think it creates a real danger. But the problem is it's not fair. It, it cuts everybody's tax by half, which means that somebody who's a million-dollar filer is going to get a 350. I'm sorry, is going to get a $32,500 cut, whereas somebody who who makes, uh, uh, say, uh, $80,000 uh, uh, would would get a, a break of $4,000. And what the the plan that we proposed in the House for as Democrats was that we would zero out the tax on all income brackets below 80000 and keep the tax, the present tax, of 6.5 on the higher income earners. 
It's a fair tax. It could be done. And we could step it in if there's concern, and there is great concern, about the overall impact of the budget. We could step it in at 40000 income first year, see how that goes. That would cost us about $880 million, uh, much about half of what the governor's plan does. And it gets money into the hands of, of homeowners and, and folks who will spend that money in their communities. Now, that was voted down by the overall House, and a lot of you Democrats did join in to 50 percent. Eric, let's take a look at, I mean, you've said the DOA, that's no go from the start, and you and I have talked before, and we're waiting for the Senate to prepare their, to present their plan. We're wondering why it hasn't come out. You've told me before that it, it's basically amendment to in rebate form. Is that the bottom line? It's one of the plans we're looking at here. It's not necessarily the bottom line. There are several ways to approach it. One of the reasons that we're kind of being very patient with what we're looking at is the spending priorities. As you know, right now, we're going through our bu budget hearings. And before you go in and you do take, take on an astronomical tax cut, like the governor suggested, it takes away $1.084 billion in fiscal year 24 and then increases by his numbers on his base budget, or base budget, by 5.3%, which is nearly $250 million. Those create inverse lines. It means your, your revenue starts to cross your expense line. And you can't do that in your home, and you can't do that here in West Virginia. And so when we're looking at it, one of the things that that really puts a magnifying glass on is then we need to figure out where spending is. So when he's suggesting this increase, we want to know, is this all of it? Is this all the increase that's going to happen? Because, as you know, the governor can change his revenue estimate at any time. And, and we do not want to create a situation where we've cut so deep, and then you find spending get out of control. And so right now we have to look at that very closely. So... I mean, can you give us a hint on when you're going to deliver that and what the highlights will be? Will it be? Well, sir, basically I can tell you one thing is, is when we're not in a hurry. I'll tell you as much as conversation's been around this, and the reason we're not in a hurry is that anything that we would do doesn't get implemented at the very early still July. So as, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't have to happen this session if, it, uh, if we don't. If it's, sure. it's a matter of getting it right more so than how fast you get it done in a session. And I tell you what, this is this is major, major, major opportunity for West Virginia. If done wrong, as the governor's proposed it, it's a major, major risk for the families of West Virginia. So I think getting it right is more important than expedience, and we've got a little time to get it right. That was Senator Eric Tarr and Delegate Larry Rowe speaking with Randy Yowie about tax cuts and budget plans. To hear the whole interview from the legislature today, visit our website at wvpublic.org.